Larry Fink, the CEO of the world's largest global investment organization, sent an open letter recently to the CEOs in which he says, I believe we're on the edge of a fundamental reshaping of finance in the near future and sooner than most anticipate there will be a significant reallocation of capital. A company cannot achieve long-term profits without embracing purpose and the needs of a broad range of stakeholders. The topic of the podcast that we're about to listen to is on purpose account planning. And I'm really pleased to introduce the next two guests of Alf Janssen, who is now sales director of SAP in the Netherlands and Darav Power, who works in the Global Value University unit of SAP as well. Alf and Darav both completing their master's programs and have chosen for their topic of research, purpose-driven account planning. Why is it relevant? Well, if our organizations are now that we're selling to becoming much more interested in purpose-driven account planning, then we've got to align our account plans in the same way. So really interested to hear what they have to say and hope you enjoy the next podcast. So I first want to, to say a kind of huge thanks to, to you, Darif, and, and to Al for joining me on this uh, podcast where we're going to be exploring the whole topic of uh, purpose-led account planning and, and, and why that's so important. But I think before we get into the detail of the topic, just be great to get a very short overview of who you both are and, uh, and what's brought you to this particular point of looking at purpose. So I wonder if I can start with you, Alf. Yeah, sure. And, and thanks, first of all, Phil, for inviting us uh, to join this podcast. It's a privilege to share our experiences around this beautiful topic. So uh, let me start uh, by introducing myself. So uh, my name is Alf Janssen. I live in the Netherlands. Um, I'm uh, married. I have a beautiful daughter, seven years of age. So I have a Gen Z in the, in the family. Uh, also, also very interested in the topic of purpose, but uh, we'll come to that later. Um, I started my professional career at SEP uh, actually as an intern back in the year 2000. So sometimes I already feel like a dinosaur, but uh, it's not that bad. Um, but, but anyhow, I started as an intern and then uh, moved into various sales roles. Um, and two years back, I was still part of the Platinum Customer Unit, which is basically the team within SEP that hosts the uh, 20 most strategic customers that we have on the, on the globe. Um, I had a lot of experiences around the purpose topic in that team specifically. But then 1st of Jan, I moved back to the Netherlands, uh, uh, starting uh, in a sales director role for the strategic accounts for the Dutch market unit. So now back into the Dutch uh, management team. And clearly the whole uh, focus on purpose is something I continue with my team there. And uh, well, it's great to see some great results, but I'm sure we'll touch upon that uh, later in the yeah. podcast. Thank you, Alf. That's, that's brilliant. And, and Darif, I wonder if you could uh, introduce yourself as well. Thank you, Phil. And thanks, Alf. Uh, and thanks for the invite to join. So I came to Purpose through, I studied philosophy as a, for my first kind of degree. So I always had kind of a philosophical view. And then my career would be, I would say, very varied. So prior to joining SAP about eight years ago, I was working in the consulting business and I was the lead verifier for the European Union emissions trading scheme. Uh, so I would have looked at a lot of things like emissions around uh, supply chain and human rights and, and audits in that kind of area. And simultaneously, I've been running training and enablement programs for various companies for years. So I've always been interested in the intersection between human potential and motivation and, and the bigger uh, issues of the world. Um, so my current role in SAP is global sales leadership and, and acceleration programs um, for sales. And one of the trends that I was trying to pick up on is how do we help people maintain motivation and unlock their potential and find really meaningful ways to make a difference and to see an impact? for themselves and for customers and, and, and do good things in the world. So that, that question was kind of knocking around in my head 
Um, and then I read Alf's article, uh, Purpose as a Profit Center, which was kind of a kickstart for me to do some research for myself on a more formal way. So I'd say I've always been interested in the topic. Um, I live in Ireland. I have three small kids and, uh, you know, well, one, two are teenagers now. So uh, I, I'm, I'm also interested in the world that they grow up in and in the future where they do meaningful work. They have a, a path to grow and also that there's a positive impact uh, for them for on business and on society. So it's kind of uh, my interest is both personal and professional, um, but that's that's where I am now. That's great. Thank you. It's uh, it's interesting. Just you mentioned uh, philosophy. I, I did a podcast recently with uh, with a guy called Roger Steer, and he describes himself as a corporate philosopher. And it's very interesting to hear him talk about uh, the whole topic of ethicability um, and ethics, and and connecting that with purpose as well. So that might be something that you want to take a look at but I, I can't quite believe I'm talking to two philosophers within the <laughs> within the course of a couple of weeks or so so maybe that's telling us something about the nature of the way the world is changing so <laughs> anyway um that's great thanks thanks for those introductions um I must admit when the topic of purpose was emerging I don't know how many years ago that was I was slightly kind of skeptical about the word, you know, because what's the difference between what is purpose and what is an objective? Now, are the two the same thing? And I, I think clearly there is a difference between the two. But you've studied this topic much more deeply than I have, you know, through your you know, master's projects and so on. Um, so, Alf, can I ask you the first question then about, you know, what does that word you know, purpose mean to you? Yeah, sure, Phil. And, and similar to you, I was also skeptical around this whole topic. I guess that was also the reason that uh, I, uh, I embarked this topic as one of my uh, uh, well, investigations in, in the SAP Masters, because I saw our, uh, our CEO at the time uh, referring to our purpose statement quite a bit in, in, in public statements. And uh, the SEP purpose statement has always been to make the world run better and improve people's lives. And I, I just wondered what that actually meant. Was it more a marketing statement from SEP? Is it something that has true value? And, and would it deliver more if we would, uh, if we would embrace uh, a purpose more uh, often also in a sales area? And, and so that's, for me, that was a kickstart to say, well, let, let's explore. Let, let's see what is behind this. And um, I started with quite a few interviews with, with people that already uh, looked at sustainability and how it links to purpose. And for me, I think purpose is the, the fact of, of also giving back as a corporation to society. Uh, one of the people I interviewed was a lady from the corporation, who is an organization in the UK who's uh, certifying companies if, if they're uh, purpose-driven, if they, if they are a sustainable company. And a lot of companies actually ask for such a certification because they want to show to the world that they give back to society. And I guess the reason that they're doing that is because they see that societal uh, issues cannot be solved by, by governments alone or by nonprofits alone. And I think that was the wake-up call for a lot of customers to see if I, want, uh, if I really want to win the hearts of my con consumers, of my customers, I need to give back to society, otherwise they will not uh, value my label anymore. And that will have massive impact on who you are as a business, but also uh, how successful you, you will be in, in the years to come. Yes, I, I'm interested in sort of the contradictions that we somehow sometimes need to wrestle with. And the contradiction that, that I think can potentially exist is the requirement of corporations to, to meet you know, quarterly targets. Um, you know, we can see if there's a, a bad result announced uh, in a certain quarter, the dramatic impact it can have on, on share price and, and, and so on. So the contradiction is this, that, that purpose has a higher value. It's a noble thing to kind of strive for. But is there a systemic problem in the way 
organizations think about creating shareholder value that will prevent these kind of purpose-driven initiatives that they may, may want to embrace. Uh, I know, Dariff, you've, you've got a point of view on that. Um, so maybe I could ask you to give a point of view. I'm sure, Alf, you do too. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So uh, the thing about purpose is that, uh, like yourself, Phil, and yourself, Alf, I remain a little bit cynical about the word because it's like a lightsaber in Star Wars. You know, it can be used by Yoda or it can be used by Darth Vader. So it can be, uh, I guess, a, a marketing message and a trite thing, or it can be deeper than that. So when you're talking about the contradictions, there's trade-offs between do we do this or do we do that, whatever it is. Um, but where purpose it becomes interesting in the intersection between profit and purpose is uh, what a dear Fox Martin on the board of SAP calls the level of care. So if you look at strategy as a, the way it's taught in Harvard or all these kind of places, one of the questions is, who cares if the company ceases to exist? Which is a very interesting one. And it's also a very interesting one. If you went out and asked people on the street, do you care about X, Y, or Z brand, whatever it is? Most of the time, the answer will be no. And then if you asked a lot of the employees in a lot of these companies, do you care about the company being successful or is it just a job? And, and very often the answer is no as well, which leaves the short term making a profit uh, at a substantial risk because the more people cease to care about the organization's existence about its performance or whatever, the more likely it is that those quarterly goals are not hit anyway, because you've got people in a community who don't care whether the company goes bust or not. You've got employees who don't care whether the performance is good enough or not. You've got the people who make the products not caring enough to put enough quality into the product. So another way of looking at purpose from a pragmatic and practical standpoint is that it's a real enabler of an organization to help people care um, for each other, to care for their communities, to care about the work they do, that it actually means something. Um, and if you look at like Alex Edmonds in, in the London Business School, he's a book called Grow the Pie, he's connected the level of care that people have and purpose to the way organizations make a profit. So if we flip it back on its head and say, does the system inhibit it? Yes, but also if the system doesn't look after purpose as an enabler of human performance, then the likelihood is it's going to destroy value over time um, because people won't buy into the strategies rather than create it. Perhaps to build on this, uh, Derek, I don't know if, how you feel about this, but um, I think if you go way back into the industrial era, uh, consumers always looked at the quality of the product, right? And if the quality of the product was uh, was perfect, and being a German company, we always had good products, right? Then it would sell. And I think if you look at the era we're currently living in, and Ferguson uh, uh, stated that very well, he said we, we actually shifted to an democracy. And he was making a, 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 like a, a play with the word democracy, but he said we live in democracy because emotions are very important for the, the generations that we currently have uh, on the world, right? So Gen Z and millennials, they feel that um, the feelings are more important than the, the ratio, right? So they wanna spend their money on things that feel good. And if companies give back to society, they are also willing to spend the dollar or the euro on your product. And that's why I think that having a purpose statement as a company is not making a decision between one or the other, I think if you have a purpose statement attached to your strategy, your top line will grow anyhow, and it will grow faster than if you don't. And I think that is also the experience that I faced in, in the last months, that this purpose is a new, it's, it's the new normal. If you look at the, the muscle of pyramids, I think purpose is on the top of the pyramid. Uh, and we need to make sure that as a company, we adjust the way we do business, because otherwise the new generation will simply not care if SEP remains to exist. That's your point. And I think that is the wake-up call we need to have. And, and that brings up the question exactly between, you know, what's the most intelligent way to run a business is to 
do really well today and enhance your capabilities to do really well tomorrow. So it's not an either or situation. Like when I was working as a sustainability consultant, uh, very often there was a an invisible, almost religious divide between the business people and the sustainability people, uh, where one felt judged by the other. The business people felt judged. Oh, they're looking at me as if I'm, you know, I'm going to exploit people to get a nicer watch, you know, or to make a few more, a few more quid, and then. The uh, sustainability people felt sometimes, well, these people are looking at me like I'm crazy or that I like a, I make my own soap from goats and that that's a bad thing. But what I've seen in the last, you know, I'd say five years in particular in the last couple of years is that th there's no dichotomy there anymore. That it's that you can talk with people in business about purpose and profit, that the most intelligent way to move forward is to do both. Yeah. to look after the interests of shareholders today, employees, communities today, customers today, partners today, um, and also to enhance your capabilities and capacities for the future. And the, the question comes then one of trade-offs at moments of time. And, and COVID's kind of a critical one right now where, you know, which is the least damaging thing I could do with my company, you know, uh, in order to balance what I need to do now versus what the future capacities need to be. Because I can lay people off and it'll cut costs in the short term, which will hit a, a, you know, a quarterly target maybe. But then I've destroyed some capacity that uh, I wanted to have where I had talent that I needed to bring to develop future stuff. So they, these trade-offs are not easy. It's not a simple thing, but it's trying to find an intelligent way that balances uh, what Adair Fox Martin calls the power of and. It's how do you make profit today and deliver on a purpose? That you have to look at both. Thank you. It's it's interesting that um, Alf, you mentioned Maslow earlier on, and you, you you know you talked about it's right. You know, a purpose-driven organizations or account planning is right at the very top. And it's also interesting, Dara, if you talk about COVID, because we're living in unprecedented times. And one of the questions I was going to ask you both was, you know, to what extent do you think the current pandemic is actually putting the purpose-led agenda kind of on the back foot? Or to what extent do you think we are going through such a, a sort of a transformed period of time in our history that people are truly questioning, you know, what is important right now? Uh, maybe Alf, I could direct that question to you. I, I think that uh, I think with the whole pandemic, a lot of people are struggling. Um, not only because some businesses are not doing uh, that well as they used to do, because their their top line is hit uh, because of the pandemic, but also the social isolation is not to be underestimated. So the mental health issue pops up again. Uh, people. Uh, uh, are, are lacking social talks, are lacking uh, the corridor conversations with their uh, colleagues. And uh, as a company and also as a management team within uh, the Dutch market unit, we, we try to crack our heads around how can we, how can we solve this to the best uh, way possible, right? Because your hands are somewhere tight. And, uh, but we, we keep the, 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 the condition and the, and the mental health of our colleagues back in our minds to, to optimize that during the pandemic. And, that's also a way of looking at purpose because it's not only about sustainability topics. It's not about taking, making, uh, taking care of the world from an environmental point of view. It's also linked to human rights or it's also linked to, uh, uh, to Derek's point. If we face uh, uh, financial headwinds, do we let go of people or do we try to uh, use them in other areas where they, are, uh, where they can be beneficial while we wait for this pandemic to go to, to be over and then use their experience and their, their, their assets uh, in another area. Or, and I think that's an important topic as well. And it's also linked to, to purpose. So I think everybody is now more aware of the fact that it's not only about shareholder value, uh, but it's also about uh, taking care of the people that work day in, day out uh, for your company. And I think now at SEP, we are actually facing that quite severely because I think many of you saw that recently we announced a different strategy. We're going to accelerate our move to the cloud, which is a, is a massive uh, uh, game changer in the IT industry. 
Um, but the, uh, the shareholders looked at our strategy and on the short run, uh, it will mean that, uh, that we are a little bit less profitable than we expected it to be in the next months. So the share price well, went down quite significantly and, and still our board is saying, this is the strategy that we trust in. We have trust in our people. Uh, we're gonna make sure that we're gonna accelerate on this move to the cloud and everybody will benefit. We remain to be a growth company and in a great growth company, there is room for all the, the assets, all of the great people that are working in the, in the company uh, as we speak. So that's giving trust to people. And I also feel that, that is uh, touching the topic of purpose, taking care of your, of your people. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. Um, so I think we've kind of established the reason why purpose is relevant. And I think you're painting a very positive picture around connecting purpose with profitability and and indeed there are some really interesting case studies and research studies done on organizations whose whose share prices has massively improved because they've been associated with a purpose-driven organization and, and managed to get the balance between the two what i'd like to do now is just go on to maybe some more specifics of the journey that you went on alf if i can start with you because i think in your role you're sort of you've been very close to you know what your end customers are talking about in in this topic and, and maybe some of the partners that you've been working with as well so i wonder if you could kind of share what what happened when you started to lift the lid up a little bit on this topic and start to look inside the pot and yeah. see what was cooking underneath. Yeah, sure. Um, I think, well, I remember very well that um, uh, the question was asked in the SAP masters, like which topic would you like to embrace? And, and we, we quickly touched upon the fact that I was skeptical about this whole purpose topic. Uh, so I decided to put on my growth mindset and just uh, see if I could uh, unlock this topic. And uh, that's what I did. And one of the most valuable discussions I had at that time uh, was with one of our rotation students. So uh, when I was working in the platinum unit, there was a lady who uh, was part of an impact program at SAP, young MBA students that uh, go on a three-month rotation in various teams. And she was uh, part of our organization for three months. And I, I explained to her that I was on this journey. And I asked her the question, uh, because she was a millennial at the time, uh, she still is, by the way, and I said, how do you look at the topic of purpose? Does it resonate with you? And she told me this beautiful story. Um, and I think everybody remembers that uh, years back, you had this uh, quarterback from the uh, San Francisco 49ers, Colin Kaepernick. Um, and he uh, kneeled down during the anthem of the uh, United States. and and. He did that as a protest against the police violence um, towards black American citizens. And she told me that she saw uh, a an, an, uh, commercial of Nike because Nike uh, uh, decided to ask Colin Kaepernick to support their commercial. And uh, the tagline of the commercial was, you, um, you have to believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything. And, and that's exactly what Colin Kaepernick did. He believed in the fact that he was against police violence, against black American citizens, and he made a point. But it's, it was really controversial. And, and a lot of American people were completely against that statement. Um, but Nike embraced him, uh, put him in his advertisement. It was a bold move by Nike. Uh, but she mentioned that when she saw that, uh, that advertisement, she immediately went to the Fifth Avenue store in New York and bought herself a pair of Nike shoes. And not because she needed the shoes, but it was purely out of sympathy towards the label because Nike made a point. Uh, they stood up for human rights. And for her, Nike was at that time and still is an undisputed label for her. So the brand loyalty towards Nike increased massively. Um, so then I deep dived on that topic and then I saw that that whole campaign delivered Nike eight or six or eight billion in additional revenue. So by taking a purpose stance, uh, impacting human rights, uh, human rights issues, they made a change to the world. They increased their top line with significant numbers and their brand loyalty, brand value went through the roof. And, and for me, that was the confirmation that there is more behind purpose. It's not simply doing good to the world. It's also making sure that your business is doing well. And then I thought, wow, that is a great example of a CPG company 
touching the hearts of, of the consumers. And we as SEP, we need to do the same. We, we need to make sure that, that people love us, that they feel that we are making a change because to Derek's point, otherwise they won't care if we're there in, in, the, in the years to come. So for me, that was the eye opener when I thought, well, now I need to make a change within our own team because making a change is tough, but then you need to start small. Uh, and I thought, well, let, let's start in our own unit and, and try to make a change. I know that you pursued um, an interest in uh, millennial and the Generation Z area within the topic of purpose. Could you, could you share a little bit what your findings have been in that line of research that you've done? Yeah, so that research is still ongoing, but um, actually my whole focus on, on purpose elevated into also uh, exploring uh, generational differences in the, in the workplace. And uh, I read a, a book, The Clash of the Generations by Valerie Grubb. Um, really got inspired by uh, how she explains how generations think differently. I actually reached out to her on, on LinkedIn and, and she replied and we have uh, conversations around this topic now. She will also look into the findings of my research and I'm really looking forward to that discussion that will take place in the next weeks. But I think if you look at uh, millennials, uh, I had some uh, conversations as well with um, advisory firms. Uh, where typically if somebody would start their careers in an advisory firm, they always had the ambition to become partner of the organization. And they worked extremely hard from, from early mornings, late evenings, uh, did everything to become that partner in, in the organization. And when you now interview these advisory firms, they say the, the millennials, the Gen Zs have a different view. They, they, they love to work for the label, but they also love to make time for their families and loved ones and be a good mom or dad and be flexible in how they spend their time on a day-to-day -day basis. And they don't have the urge to become the partner of the, of the firm. If they have a job that suits them well and they can earn some money to take care of their families, then all good. So it's a completely different expectation that they have towards corporate organizations. And I actually experienced a bit of the same because when I started uh, the year in, in the Dutch market unit again in January, I elaborated to the whole organization that my go-to-market was based on purpose-driven partnerships and that I would take the purpose statement of SEP and the one of the customer, combine them, and then look for opportunities to help each other to achieve that. Instantly, millennials reached out to me and asked if, there, if I still had a vacancy in my team. So it was like a magnet for talent. Everybody said, well, if, if that is your, your destination with your customers, I want to be part of it. Can, can I join you? And then I thought, wow. So, so it's resonating better with millennials and Gen Z than it's resonating with, with Gen X. So that was my key takeaway. Like we need, to, we need to embrace this more because this is the future of our business. To come in on that, Phil, and, and one of the things that I see a lot in enablement programs or coaching programs around is that many Gen Z and millennials have more in the tank. They've got, they've got something in them. They've got like a drive and they really want to contribute. Yeah. And it's like, a, you know, everybody wants to have enough money to meet your needs. Everybody wants to grow and everybody wants to see an impact on living creatures, living things. And what happens a lot of people is that if they don't see a pathway for their potential to come out, then they'll go somewhere else. And where it becomes challenging for leaders, this is I've seen a lot of this in leadership kind of stuff that I've done, is that if everybody's sitting at home in their home, whatever that is, whether it's you know an apartment with other people or a house with, with several other people or on their own or whatever it is, what makes them feel like they're contributing to something bigger than themselves. You know, if I'm sitting at home and I'm like a Stephen Hunt, who, who works with us in SAP, is an organizational psychologist, said like, in some ways, everybody's job is we go on Zoom, we do email, we do PowerPoint and Excel, and we update a, a couple of systems. And that's, that's practically most of the world right now. So if that's the experience of work, then what is it that makes you want to do it. Mm. So what's the, the motivating aspect? If I know what I'm gonna do 
is going to have a meaningful positive impact on other people now or into the future and i can see some of that then i'm more likely to be able to do it i'm more likely to be in a good state of mental health so i did a lot of research based on victor frankel you know um man's search for meaning it was a fantastic book and uh you know, he said, uh, somebody with a reason why will cope with any circumstance. Mm. And, and what the intersection between purpose and meaning is that meaning we define for ourselves. Each individual has their own thing that they want to do, their own bit of potential that come out. Um, and purpose is kind of an overarching direction. Is this going in a good direction or a bad direction? And for a lot of millennials, sometimes the question is like, what is it that you'd really love to do in work beyond what you get paid to do? This is why you see a lot of the companies like, you know, Google's Project Aristotle, Create Psychological Safety, or, you know, Give People Free Time. In SAP, we have one billion lives. We've entrepreneurship programs. We've social sabbaticals. And there's nobody who comes back from something like that and says, that wasn't worth the time or effort. Everybody comes back having learned something and more motivated, more willing to contribute. So there's a real practical thing in a world where everybody's working from home to help people find purpose and meaning and, and deliver the potential that they have. And I also see that in our ecosystem, right? If, if you look at SEP, we have a rich ecosystem with system integrators, advisory firms, uh, you name it. Uh, one of these uh, uh, partners of ours also elaborated on the fact that they dedicate 1% of their available hours, like they, this is a consulting firm, 1% of their available hours in consultants uh, can be spent on a purpose topic. So you just allocate the whole number of hours uh, at the beginning of the year, and then teams can apply to, to spend that on a certain project. And they always get more requests than they can cope with. Right? So you see the interest of the the people on consuming that budget to make a change. Um, and I think that's exactly to your point there. That, that is what they expect from employers like ourselves to, to, to at least give them the opportunity to make a change. And if you extrapolate that back up to an organization level, like the research from Alex Edmonds and people like that show that like purpose is, if purpose is a direction in which you're going, is it a positive one? Is it going to make an impact? then profit can be a byproduct of that. If you take Arla, they're a dairy in Denmark, for example, they've incorporated UN Sustainable Development Goals for 2050 into their current strategic planning, which means like this is a dairy. So on one level, they have a certain level of comfort about cash flow and, and they're, they're not necessarily worried about survival, perhaps. I don't know the company that well to, to be able to talk about their financials. But it is interesting that it's fostering new ecosystems for them in innovation terms. So they're going out talking to people who make packaging and go, what does, what does packaging for milk look like in 2050? And what could we do now to be ready for it? What, what kind of innovation could we do? So that purpose as a, as a way of setting direction in which strategy operates, in which you know, tactics are developed, is a really good way of being really good at what you do because you care. So there's a level of excellence about it. And also really good at fostering innovation because people are looking at it going, how can I make the world a better place while making my business a better place? And if I do both of those things simultaneously, I'll get innovation that ultimately people will care enough about to pay for, which will deliver profit into the future. So there's an innovation angle there. Do you think that there's a gap between the strategies that the board level want to reach on this particular topic and and the execution in the field of that, you know, given the pressure, as I mentioned earlier, to hit targets, um, what type of conversations are taking place in a middle management kind of role? Do you think there's a gap between the two, in your view? I think the gap, perhaps there's a a gap but it's getting smaller i think uh, uh now with christian also as our, our ceo he really lives and breathes this topic uh, quite a bit similar to our Dare fox martin where derek uh, referred to um i think we have all the opportunities in the world to explore purpose-driven topics with our customers but we also need to be fair right we are a 
we are an organization that also has growth ambitions. So in, in the end, we also need to make our numbers. And that's always the balance of doing business and, and, and doing good business. Um, but in all fairness, uh, when we started this journey, uh, at the beginning of the year, I asked my, my, my teams to look into options of uh, supporting uh, our customers with, with our technology in order to achieve their purpose statement. So connecting both purpose statements mm -hmm. and look how our technology, our core business can help them to achieve that. Um, and, and that resulted already in some uh, interesting debates uh, and, and opportunities. Um, where, for example, for a, uh, a large consumer products company, we are now exploring together with the chief sustainability officer, how we can, for example, reduce water consumptions. Right? Um, we are looking into how can we reduce carbon footprint, how we can reduce uh, packaging uh, and, and waste. And, and in order to do that, we are looking into co-innovation areas. And so then we bring in our technology and that doesn't have to come for free. It's just a new project. Instead of doing a finance transformation, we're now doing co-innovation on solving a matter like uh, reducing plastic waste. And, and that also leads to new discussions with new stakeholders in our existing accounts. So I think taking this purpose-led approach is generating new conversations, is generating a different viewpoint from the customer towards SEP. And as a result, we're doing new projects together, which is, incre which is increasing our top line. So similar to the example I just shared on, on the Nike story, we're also changing the conversations, and with that, we're also trying to boost our, our the, the value of our of our brand. But we're also doing new projects, and hence impacting positively our top, top, top line growth. So I think the two are, are are married to one another, and and that's the beauty of this topic, I guess. It's just yeah. a new way of doing business. Uh, I think it's always been a struggle for salespeople to sort of broaden their traditional sort of network of contacts within customers. And I can completely uh, get, you know, the opportunities that are presented when you start to have uh, these different kinds of conversations. So I'm a, an account exec. I'm working in one of your teams, you know, at SAP. And I, I really want to get into this um, purpose-driven kind of mindset. What kind of things would you expect me to be doing? You know, how would you advise, how would you coach me on being smarter around this topic? Sometimes the question is who you're talking to and what their understanding of purpose is, right? So if you're selling to C-level executives and that company is public company and they have uh, a track record on file or an investor profile, if there's a lot of environmental, social and governance investors, there might be a certain culture there already that would mean it's worth having a look at it. So there, I think there's, there's a couple of different things. The first thing is to recognize that it is an interesting topic of conversation for a lot of boards and a lot of C-level executives. And part of that is the investment context or the allocation of capital in the, in the markets where there's been a lot of capital moved towards um, ESG-related kind of mm. uh, activities. The second reason that boards are interested is the motivation of staff and the, the context in which they set strategy. You know, if we're going to come out on the right side of history here in the COVID pandemic with everybody, what should our strategies be? And we might have to adjust our strategies, but we know what we're, we're shooting for, which is a kind of a representation of the values of the firm. So the first thing is recognize the importance of the topic to those stakeholders. Then the second kind of thing is that part of a qualification effort, it's not for everybody. A, a, a conversation on purpose is not for everybody. A lot of people don't want to go there. And for them, purpose is you know, to survive in the short term. You know, we, do, we just want to make enough money to get through things. Um, so you're really looking at it going, uh, you know, there's a kind of a, a practical element to go, is what I'm selling, is what's in my sales bag a relevant conversation for the people I'm talking to? And maybe that's not for a lot of people. Um, but I would say it will be. At some stage in the future, the way things are going, um, it, it's definitely going to go that way. So... Educate yourself on why it's interesting for the board members. Educate themselves on what strategic initiatives they're going to put in relative to their purpose. 
and then look at the trade-offs that they're going to make, right? So there's no completely clean hands in the world. Every business consumes electricity, every business consumes water, every business consumes the time and labor of people. Now, the question is, do they want to create a la- an immense net benefit for society as a primary activity, or do they want to extract as much out of the, the marketplace as they can? Uh, and, and, and somewhere in that continuum, they'll be making some decisions. So Peter Drucker said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So I would look for companies where the culture and indicates that they're making choices in a purposeful direction consciously and that they want to do that and that this is an ethos they want to work with. And for the companies that define purpose as staying in business and surviving, you can still help those people. You know, it's just maybe it's not the time right now to have that conversation with them. Or maybe it is. Maybe it's a way to say, look, you're going to keep running into survival issues unless you have a substantive change. So purpose is a business conversation, not a technology conversation. It depends on who you're talking to. And if you're not having the conversation now, then you need to upskill yourself and learn enough to see whether uh, it's worthwhile or not, because it can be a very complex area very fast as well. And I think also sometimes it depends on the industry that we're trying to serve. We see that consumer products companies have more focus on giving back to society, being more aware of their sustainability footprint compared to other industries. But I think coming back to the sales teams, you need to be open-minded and look for opportunities. And that's also why the account planning at the beginning of a year is, is, is a crucial phase of the whole uh, engagement with your customer. You, you have to look at what they're publishing and, and what they feel is important for them. And there are always purpose-driven topics that a board of your customer will share. And then you proactively need to reach out and say, we can help you. Because I think in IT, we have we are, we are the best equipped industry to help customers achieve their purpose. Because with software and technology, we can make things happen. Um, and that's, I think, what we need to look for. And I still remember that one of my team members said, yeah, but Alf, my, my customer is not that interested in, in purpose because uh, it's, they're doing really well. And, uh, they are just interested in selling more of their products and uh, sustainability, well, not for them. And then I joined the supplier day. And uh, one of these VPs elaborated on the fact that they're losing a lot of money uh, because they lose track of certain components of their machines. Um, and uh, the result of that is that these components get lost and so the money get lo- gets lost and some of the products get scrapped by their end customers so they don't see the products uh, returning anymore. So for them, it's also a, a, a really costly exercise. So cost was of interest to them, but then they thought, hey, but also for an environmental point of view, it's kind of silly that we're scrapping all these products because uh, we, we spend a lot of energy and, and uh, raw materials on creating those, those elements. So we need to change that. And then I said, well, at SAP, we have the technology to optimize your supply chain, to, to track these components and potentially we can help you. Now we're collectively exploring our options if we can make that work. And that is combining a business issue related to cost to serving uh, the communities because we want to create a better world with, with less scrapping products and being uh, safe on, on uh, spending raw materials. So it's also seeking the opportunities. Uh, and, and again, creativity is a really important one uh, because one other example that I would like to highlight is that with one of the CPG companies, uh, we said to the chief sustainability officer, why don't we collectively go to a university because these young people, these millennials, are your future customers, or perhaps they are already your customers. Why don't we collectively ask them the question, what they expect from a CPG company like yourselves in the next year or years to come? And are you acting that way? Uh, if topics arise like we find that you have too much plastic waste uh, uh, as a result of what, the products you sell, why don't we collectively take the challenge to, to change that? So inspire your customer, uh, trigger your customer to collectively go beyond the classical model of looking at which products SEP has uh, to offer and then try to find a match to how can we co-innovate in order to make 
our purpose statements come to life. It brings up the power of and again, Alf, is that so that there's if I'm an account executive, you know, maybe I have a risk-based approach. I help customers reduce risk or I help them reduce cost or I help them gain efficiency. Um, and I have technology that makes those processes really efficient. Um, so that that's one thing. The other question is, is it the right process at all? If, if you're making stuff that there's going to be a declining market for, you know, um, it's, a, it's, it's polluting, it's a chemical, let's say. Um, do you want to make that process really efficient or do you want to scale up another business? You know, you, you're getting out of that type of chemical and into something that's more organically based or whatever. Um, and there's a brand equity with that. So part of the thinking for an account executive is to think of the different potential use cases or the different potential uh, scenarios that highlight the value of the technology and what it enables people to do. Because on one level, you can get um, more efficient at, at producing less waste. Um, on another level, you could eliminate the waste altogether if you do a business transformation. You know, so it, it, it requires salespeople to kind of think about business more holistically and beyond just the business process the conversation and into the business transformation conversation, which is very industry specific. So, so some processes are far more material from an environmental or social standpoint than others. You know, some are far more energy intensive or waste intensive or whatever. And then there's an increased growth in circular economy and responsible business, which SAP does a lot with as well. So, you know, maybe there's secondary marketplaces for waste. A, a prime example is plastics. You know, plastics can become a feedstock into fuel production. So maybe you can't eliminate the waste altogether, but maybe that waste can be tracked, can be costed, can be given a value and sold in a secondary market and used to produce fuel, which is, you know, otherwise it would go to landfill. So that this type of power of and thinking is very powerful to look for. We can do all the things we can currently do to improve your business. And what other benefits could we possibly realize? You know, maybe there's a, 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 a circular economy benefit or a climate change benefit or a social impact benefit, you know, and, and, and that's all using the existing technology before you even get into their use cases for the existing technology before you even get into an innovation discussion or a transformation discussion, which are also very possible with this kind of approach. In the research that we've done and still continue to do, suggests that less than 10% of salespeople sell in a way that customers want. It was part of my doctoral research, as I know you both know, and it, it still continues to this day. So we've been struggling with how do you bridge the connection between what do customers want, which is what you both have been talking about at length during this podcast interview, and, and what's done. And it just makes me question the guidance, the coaching, the training that's given to sales, but the pressures they're under, you know, to meet their targets and quotas. And if we are going to get to this sort of systemic change in the way that account managers, and Alf, I know that your account team are, are well, you know, you, you can tell from what you've been sharing with us that your account team and the way that you're leading them is, is very uh, particular around this this topic, but there are very few, in my experience, who will be implementing strategies as overtly, I think, as you've done. You know, you've made it a central part of your strategy, which I, I think is great. And and clearly it's working for you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's working, Phil, but I also have to be honest that change is, is tough, right? To, to, to Derek's yeah. point, not everybody completely buys into the approach, right? They need to be convinced. Uh, and I yeah. think that's only natural, right? We are human beings. Um, but if you, for example, look at uh, the team and how it's elevated itself around this topic, it's also because of best practice sharing. So we had one uh, account team that went on a journey with their customer and they used our blockchain technologies to help them out on procuring sustainable soya beans. Because often when you procure these kind of raw materials, there is a chance that the farmers that are producing that also use child labor in order to get that raw material uh, sold. 
and clearly you don't want to be attached to a supplier that, that does child labor right so with blockchain technology you can actually track it down and see if somebody has, is accused of child labor and if so you put them on the blacklist so in that respect you can help our customers to procure that in a more sustainable way that is a great project that we, uh, we co-developed together with that customer and uh, that story we shared in our internal account meeting and then you see the other uh, uh, teams like oh hey, that's interesting because my customer actually has the same challenge in the supply chain uh, so I'm going to raise this topic as well, right? And so we have multiple examples. And then along the last months, you see that people are picking up on the same topics. And now every account team, nearly every account team, has a purpose-driven uh, project at hand. So it's taking time, but we're clearly getting there. But to your point, you need to make it a central part of your strategy. Otherwise, people will always try to go for the, 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 the easy route between brackets. Mm -hmm. Because there are always projects, IT projects that you need to support within your customer. But it's just a matter of going beyond that and look for these new opportunities. On that note, I do think we have to draw it to a close because I know we can talk about this topic a lot longer. It's just been brilliant. I've certainly enjoyed having you both on the podcast. I hope you both have as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks very much, Alf, and thanks, Phil. No, it's a great, it's a great pleasure. So I hope you really enjoyed the podcast from Alf Janssen and, and Darif. Many thanks to them. What are the key takeaways for this? I think the key takeaways are that we as uh, salespeople need to be very aware of some of the underlying trends outlined in the podcast and incorporate those into the account planning process. Uh, we may need to retrospectively review the CSR policies that our own organizations have. And we need to be very careful about how we connect the dots between what it is our customers may be looking for from a purpose-driven agenda into the way that we want to sell to them. So hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you enjoyed listening, share this podcast with others. And we very much look forward to welcoming you on a future podcast in the near future. Thank you very much. As a bonus to those of you listening to the podcast, we'd um, very much like you to explore your own sales mindsets. This is based on the research that I've conducted over many years, where we've started to look at the mindsets that customers are looking for from salespeople. These are around the topics of authenticity, client centricity, proactive creativity, and tactful audacity. If you'd like to know more about your own mindsets, then we've got an interactive survey on our website. Check out the show notes for more information. It will only take a few minutes. And at the end of it, uh, I think you'll find it very interesting. If you'd like to know more about how to interpret the mindset survey results, please get in touch with us. We'd very much like to explore this topic of mindsets in more detail with you. We certainly know that these matter hugely to customers and um, are happy to share our experience with you. Thank you very much. <laughs>